so you listen fast. John chapter 9. <clears throat> By the way, Glenda's doing almost scary good. <laughs> it's only been two weeks and she informed me today that she was ready to drive. And I went, Lord, you can't drive when you're healthy, much less now. <laughs> Holy mackerel. I told Duke I'm going to have to find a way to get her keys out of her purse. I don't normally go in her purse, but I'm looking for some keys. <clears throat> John chapter 9. The preceding verse, or chapter I should say, Jesus had been talking to the Jews and talking about the lineage of Abraham and his descendants. This is getting their attention and I'm sure you've heard the story before and actually up in verse 58 and 59 is when Jesus uh, said before Abraham was I am and this upset them and they took up stones to to chunk at him and he slipped out of the temple and went right down <clears throat> through their midst that's verse 59 now we pick up in chapter 9 verse 1 and as Jesus passed by he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered and he said, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is interpreted sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, when they saw which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is this not he that sat and begged? They saw the change. Verse 9. Some said, this is he. Others said, well, he's like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes opened? And he answered and he said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes. And he sent, uh, said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received my sight. Then said they unto him, where is he? And he said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And he said unto them, He put clay upon my eyes and I washed and do see. And therefore some of the Pharisees said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They said unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him that opened, hath opened thine eyes? And he said, He's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, 
we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again they called the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and he said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. But one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they again to him again, What did he to thee? He opened eyes. He answered them, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it if again? Will, it, will you also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and he said unto them, Why? Herein is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now, we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doth, doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe in the Son of God? And he answered and he said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. There are several sermons in that one passage of scripture. You could talk about how followers of Jesus oftentimes are quick to pass judgment. Quick to jump to some nations. And that when they saw this man that had been born blind, their immediate thought and their question was, who did sin? That this man was born blind. Him or his parents. We could talk about how we in present day church are oftentimes quick to pass judgments and summations on people when we don't know the story. I guess I need to give an example. Don't raise your hand. No, don't raise your hand, Robert. Don't raise it. <clears throat> I would dare say that there's probably a large contingency of people in this building that at some point in time has passed someone at a traffic light that's sitting out there, we'll work for food sign or something to that effect, and we've in our mind made, it a, judgment, made a judgment or assessment. We want to know... Why is out there doing that? What got him there? Now, 
I'm not going to stay here very long, but if you go read the message translation, when the disciples asked Jesus that question, who did sin? In the message translation, Jesus says, you're asking the wrong questions. You should be looking at the possibility for God to be glorified. Therein is a sermon in itself to us as to how we need to, when we see those circumstances and situations, say, there's a chance for a miracle. There's a chance for God to change somebody's life. But I'm not going to camp out there. We could talk about the skeptics and the unbelievers in, in verse 9 where some believe and some don't believe at what they're seeing with their own eyes. Is this, is this, I thought this was the guy that was born blind and he's our neighbor and we've known, well, he looks like him and uh, kind of talks like him. And how oftentimes we don't acknowledge the miracles that God does. We could talk about in verse 15 and 16 where religious people don't recognize those things in that they wanted to puff out their chest and say, we are of Moses' disciples. Or we're this denomination or this religion or this denomination. When we got to understand something, folks, <clears throat> for those of us that are sons and daughters of God, that's one family. There's no division there. There are going to be no subdivisions in heaven. If you're a child of God, blood-bought, born again, washed in the blood, baptized believer, you're in the family of God. Now don't get me wrong. We need, we need sound doctrine. We need good teaching. We need a solid foundation. But there is no more solid foundation than Jesus, the Son of God, crucified, buried, risen from the dead, alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father, and coming back one day to receive us unto himself. It doesn't get any more solid than that. As long as we can agree on who Jesus is, why he's come, what he's done, and what he's yet to do, we can fellowship. We don't have to split hairs over this and that. We can major on what's major and that's the salvation, the healing, the, the savior of the world, the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And we can bind together and we can too be a light that the world can see. See, they were upset that he'd healed Jesus and healed on the Sabbath. And they're all upset about it. They've been out of shape or... We could look at verse 35 and 38, or through 38, where it, we see that an encounter with Jesus changed a man's life. But what I want to talk to you about tonight, for just a second, is the, the saying, the last line of verse 25, where he says, One thing I know, I once was blind. But now I see. If you're a child of God in this house tonight, you have a story. You have a, I once was, but now I am. We haven't all been addicts. We hadn't all been murderers. We hadn't all been thieves. We hadn't all been any of those things, so to speak. Some of us have done things we got away with and should have been prosecuted, but we weren't, praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> But we all have a story. Let me tell one on Glenda. She's not here to defend herself. <laughs> True story. 
I, I was a young Christian, maybe, well, less than a year old in God, and I met a couple of young ladies at a, a church youth camp where I was a counselor, and uh, they went back to Houston and talked to their parents, went through the Houston school board, and and got it all okayed where I was going to come down and do a church service for them there. And, and uh, Tom Ball, actually, Bear Creek High School, big new high school. And first time I ever saw one gym on top of another gym. I mean, this place was massive. But we had to do church, uh, have the service before school. And the night prior to that, Stacy. Her dad was vice president of Texaco Oil, and they had a big, nice home. And so she had invited a bunch of her friends from school out there. And we had, I don't know, 70, 80 kids there in the house. And I said, Glenda, I might have you say a word of testimony. She said, huh. I ain't never killed nobody. <laughs> no, I'm serious. She says, I don't have one. I said, what do you mean you don't have a testimony? Well, I ain't never been an, an alcoholic or killed nobody or none of that stuff. She said, I've served God since I was a little girl. Chew on that a minute. I said, Glenda, that's the greatest testimony of them all. As to how somebody at a young age realizes the reality and the power of a God that's worth serving and you commit your life to him and he not only saves you, he keeps you and he satisfies you and he's been through this whole journey of life all the way up to getting to marry me. And So maybe you're in this house tonight and you feel like I don't have a testimony. That's bull. Because you see, if you're a child of God, we were all conceived in sin, born in sin. We've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. There's not one of us that's righteous enough to go to heaven in and of ourselves. What washes away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's no other name given among men whereby you, some people quote it, can be saved. No, the correct quote is there's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. That's because there's no salvation in no other name. You've heard me say before that there's conservatively over 2,000 religions in the world. All of them are based upon philosophical prepositions except four. Only four of them are based on a person, a personality. Of those four, only one has an empty tomb. That's the tomb of Jesus. That's who I'm going to put my faith in. That's who I'm going to put my trust in. The one that defeated death, hell, and the grave. The one that has the ability and the power to cleanse and to forgive and to save. And to give us life. And to give us hope. And to give us peace. We're entering into... The holiday season, and I, I call it to your attention every year. Thanksgiving all the way through the, uh, the new year. There will be more domestic abuse. More attempted suicides. There will be more. There's a, there's a cranking up of iniquity and sin and pressure. And you, the devil gets so many people to feel hopeless. 
that life is futile. That's dangerous ground because if he can make you feel that there's no hope, you can't have faith for change. Because Hebrews clearly says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Don't you let the devil steal your hope. Because he's a God of hope. Hope thou in God is what it says in Psalms. If we'll look to the Lord as the author and the finisher of our faith. If we'll trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not into our own understanding. But in all of our way acknowledge him. If we'll just trust him. Trust him. What's the acronym of trust? To rely upon someone totally. Totally. Faith is an unwavering persuasion. An unwavering conviction. An unwavering confidence in the one that says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you all the way to the end of the world. As Skeeter was singing, sometimes it takes a mountain. There's some of you in this place tonight, you're facing mountains of all different kinds. I want you to know something. If in that time of facing that mountain, you'll draw nigh unto the Lord, he'll draw nigh unto you. He'll reveal himself. He'll do great and mighty things in your life, your marriage, your home, your children, your finances, your business. God wants to intervene and be involved in your life so that you can tell your story so that you can say I once was but now I am so that you can have that attitude of gratitude that that true thankfulness that this season is about being thankful I was talking to Kim I had considered preaching the story of the ten lepers that all came and Jesus healed all ten of them of their leprosy. The leprosy was the most dreaded disease of that day and age. And I don't understand exactly how it works. There's probably some medical people in here that could tell us. But somehow it cuts off uh, circulation. The nerves die and eventually if it's in your finger, your finger falls off. Or your nose or your ear or whatever. But keep in mind that whatever leprosy had done to those ten Jesus healed them they all ten were healed of their leprosy but only one returned to give him thanks and if you'll read the words right after that it says and Jesus made him whole whatever leprosy had destroyed eaten up Caused to die. To be taken away from him. Whatever leprosy had done to him. Jesus made him whole. That finger came back. I want you to understand. Great is the Lord and he's greatly to be praised. And he says if you don't praise me. The rocks will cry out. I don't want a rock taking my place. I want to praise him. I want to give him thanks. Not as lip service, but I need to learn how to have a heart of gratitude and I need to be appreciative of the things that he's done for me, is doing for me, will do for me, and so do you. Would you bow your heads? I'm closed. My voice is fixing to leave. <clears throat> Maybe you're here tonight and 
I'm just going to give you a chance to examine yourself. The Bible says for every man to examine himself and to see if he be of the faith. Examine your stance, your relationship with God at this point. If you be honest with yourself and you say, Dennis, I love the Lord and he's given me so many opportunities to, to just speak up for him and to tell my story like this young guy in the Bible. And for various reasons, I hadn't done it. But tonight, I want to be like that one leper. I want to come say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. I want to draw closer to him. I want to be his hand extended into the community and the world in which I live. And by God's help, I want to resolve tonight to make a commitment to tell the story, the greatest story ever told of the love of God. Could I see your hand? Anyone? You say, I want to make that commitment that I'm going to be a mouthpiece for him. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Thank you. There should be hundreds of hands going up in here. Maybe there are those of you that are here tonight and you say, Dennis, I don't have a story to tell because I'm lost as a goose in a snowstorm. I don't believe in scare tactics, but I want you to understand something. In eternity, there's two places. There's heaven and there's hell. hell is, heaven is a place that's beyond our imagination as to how grand and glorious it is in Equally, hell is a place that I don't think we can envision the depths of the pain and the agony. The Bible says there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. There'll be extreme torment forever. I'm not a scare tactic preacher, but I want you to realize there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. The word says, I set before you life and death. Choose life. Tonight, you say, Dennis, I, I recognize that I need a Savior because I am a sinner and I want to call on Jesus tonight to forgive me of my sins. If that's you, could I see your hand? I want to pray with you. Anyone real quickly? Yes, sir. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? You say, Dennis, that's me. I, thank you, young man. Thank you, sir. You say, Dennis, I've been doing my own thing long enough. And, there's something tugging at my heart tonight that I need to make some things right with God. Anyone else? Very quickly, you say, that's me before I move on. I, I, I can't move yet. Anyone else? Very quickly. Lord, Duggan is dealing with your heart and maybe you say, if preacher asks one more time, then I'll raise my hand. So I'm asking, is that you? Anyone? Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Look up here at me, please. I'm not a hellfire brimstone preacher. I'm not going to prey upon your emotions. Because the Bible says what man is there to build a house that doesn't first count the cost. I want you to understand that salvation is free. And it's complete. But it costs you repenting. Entrusting your life to God and learning to listen to His voice and letting a, an outward demonstration of, a visible, of an inward change be visible. 
How are you saved? The Bible says that if you believe Jesus is the Son of God that came to this earth and was tempted and tried in all ways as you and I, yet he remained sinless. So his pristine, pure blood was worthy of the sacrifice to redeem sinful man back to holy God. And he died on that cross, took a beating prior to that, shed blood, died graveyard dead. They buried him. But the grave couldn't hold him. Three days later, he walks out of there with the keys of death, hell, and the grave in his hand. And he's saying, whosoever will come. Come! There's more than enough blood to cleanse all the sins of the world if we'll but cry out to him. If we'll but give him a chance in our life, he'll prove to you that he's real. So if you believe that in your heart and confess with your mouth, you're saved. My prayers can't save you. But I'm about to lead you in a prayer. And if you mean this in your heart and God knows it, your sins are going to be forgiven and you're going to become a child of God. So would you bow your head and let's pray across this place. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love. I do believe that you're God's son, that you love me, and that you died for me. But you walked out of a grave. You defeated death, hell, and the grave. And that you're alive today. And so I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. To cleanse me with your blood. To come into my life and to be my Savior. Help me, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit to learn your ways, to learn your voice so that I can live a life that brings glory to you and enjoyment to me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Just bow your head for just a second. Please, no one look around. You've been given prognosis that's not good. Cancer. Raise your hand. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. No one looking around. This is between people and God. Anyone else? Lord, I thank you that your anointing to heal is present. Lord, you took those stripes upon your back for our healing. We ask you as the great physician to do what physicians on earth can't do. And Lord, we ask you to completely and totally heal these two that have raised their hands tonight. I pray that every cancer cell, we curse it in the name of Jesus, and that every cancer cell would die. And Lord, that medical confirmation would come from these same doctors that they find no cancer.
And Lord, we'll be sure to give you praise. Now we rebuke the devourer. We bind the strong man in the name of Jesus. And we release healing in the house tonight. God, do, do it in a way that no man can take credit or glory. But that you alone receive glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Every head still bowed. see your hand. Every head's bowed, every eye closed. If you have a heart issue. Yes, sir. In the balcony, anyone, anywhere. So Dennis, that's me. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Lord, you tell us to pray one for another. You're the healer. You said in your word for us to call upon the name of the Lord and you'd show us great and mighty things. And God, we're just simply leading or following your spirit tonight. And we ask that you would move in the lives of these who raised their hands tonight. If necessary, Lord, give them a new heart. Heal that heart. Restore that heart. Give them a new heart.